A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long team with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. No, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> well, there's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> Really is to just help people of faith, especially to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? Two Corinthians, three seven. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law and Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign Raven King, who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing. And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples, but we take what he's created and we turn him into idols. I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 5046. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So, the Master's Dog, my podcast where I deal with false teachers. Bottom line. Started out just dealing with uh, Saints Unscripted, the three Mormons, whatever you want to call them. Their faith and beliefs uh, episodes is where I started. So, this started out as Faith and Beliefs Refuted and became the Master's Dog, uh, dealing with all sorts of false teachers. So, um, today we are back with uh, Saints Unscripted, and David is going to talk to us about. Now, here's an interesting thing. He's going to call it the original Book of Mormon manuscript. We're going to. We're going to talk about that. So we'll go ahead and we'll jump in. We'll let David, uh, I've got the circle of of whatever going on here. So uh, we'll see if this is actually going to work. I bet we're going to get an ad in here. So we'll let David go and tell us a little bit about what he wants to tell us about. And we'll uh, address things as we need to. So here we go. Hey, guys. Hey, you guys. (laughs) 
Right. So as you're probably already aware, the Book of Mormon is the keystone of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The keystone of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is the keystone of our religion. The Book of Mormon is often described as the keystone. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland stated bluntly in 2009 that anyone who rejects the Book of Mormon without honestly attempting to account for the origin of those pages somehow has been deceived. And if he or she leaves this church, it must be done by crawling over under or around the Book of Mormon to make their exit. So in this episode, we're going to look at some very basic claims about how the Book of Mormon was translated and whether or not those claims are true. Let's do it. Okay, I just got to stop. I'm sorry. Uh, some, I don't know if it's internet issues or what that are uh, causing the, the video to freeze up and so on, but that's just humorous. Um, again, one of the, the tactics that they use in these videos, especially with some of the harder topics, is they make them seem funny. Uh, they use funny clips and stuff like that. I mean, it's not really a reductio ad absurdum. It's not reducing it to the ridiculous, but it's using the ridiculous to give the impression that it's not really a big deal. This stuff is a big deal. The false teachings that come out of these groups are huge deals. So notice that as it gets kind of bumpy and things get a little hard to defend or explain, they'll throw in little funny clips. Um, I'm really amazed that they did this clip with Holland um, just basically because I, I guess maybe it's not really a... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ridiculing him, in a sense. But I just found it funny. Um, apparently, when I left the Mormon church, I crawled over, around, under, through, whatever, the Book of Mormon. Um, and, yeah, obviously I did. And it didn't stop me. So, uh, with that, let's continue on. Hopefully, the video gets a little bit better. Here's the bottom line. Joseph Smith never explained in detail the method of translation. When his brother Hiram in 1831 asked him to explain in a meeting how the translation happened, Joseph said that it was not intended to tell the world all the particulars of the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, and also said that it was not expedient for him to relate these things. On several occasions, he simply said that he translated the record by the gift and power of God, and he left it at that. Enough said. <laughs> Most of the other details you've probably heard are second or third-hand accounts from people who may or may not have known what was actually going on. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what's going on. Okay, so... Again, the immediate... This reminds me of... I can't remember who Michael Newdow debated on um, the existence of God. Ow. I don't know if it was Lee Strobel or somebody. Michael Newdow debated a an apologist, a uh, Christian, on the existence of God. And immediately into, the, I mean, and this is back in late 90s, early, early 2000s. Um, and immediately, 
as he started the debate, he just he went into why he was going to lose the debate. His first three minutes of his opening statement was explaining why he was not going to win this debate. Uh, this is what he, they're doing. They're, the, the first few minutes of this are explaining away, well, we, we can't ever tell you how Joseph Smith. We have record. I grew up hearing the way that Joseph Smith translated. We have, I believe it's David Whitmer um, that said, or Martin Harris, one of the two, one of the, uh, I can't remember if it was, sorry, I should have had the, I was just looking at it. Um, maybe, uh, let, me, let me see if I can find this. Nope, not there. Okay. Martin Harris, David Whitmer, one of them wrote in their book, um, basically that this is how the translated happened. Joseph would look into his hat, uh, the stone in the hat, and he would read off the words, and the word would appear, and he would read it off, and when it was written correctly, and this is a key, this is always what I was taught when I was growing up, when it was appeared and it was written correctly, this is why the, the statement in the Book of Mormon that it's the most correct book of any book, yet it's been changed and, and corrected thousands of times, but it was the most correct book because it was said that the word would not disappear now, if this is God doing this, you've got to understand, if God is giving Joseph the words and they don't disappear until the word is written correctly, God would know if it was written correctly and the word wouldn't disappear. But yet now they're saying, oh, well, this is proof that it was the this and that because words were written correctly and, and blah, 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 misspellings and so on. No. You are making the claim, you're just making the claim that it was by the gift and the glory of God that you are translating this book, and now you're saying God is fallible. Now you're saying this is this is the Mormon God. He can't even get the translation right correctly the first time. So this is why this is important. Because of the fact that it was supposedly done in this way. And now they're going to come at you and say, well, we really don't know. We don't have. No, that is an outright lie. Because when I was growing up in it, they knew it was it was concrete that they knew this is how it was translated so now they're lying to you they're changing things up this is the method of the mormon mindset this is this is why when when romney was running for president it was so easy for him to lie because he 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 was bred for it through mormonism lying deception is a core of their their found core foundation of the religion is deception. Let's continue. But we do have an ace up our sleeve. We still have some 28% of the original manuscript of the Book of Mormon, and it speaks volumes. No pun intended. A lot of what we learn from the original manuscript might seem like common. Okay, now mind you, this is not the original manuscript. This is the first translation. The original manuscript is on golden plates that the angel took to heaven. That's your original manuscript. It's not there. We have nothing to compare to. We have zero. We, there is no original manuscript. Conveniently, as a, a teenage boy who is telling a lie would do, 
oh, well, yeah, the angel took it back. I mean, the, these are these are stories that with my daughter continue to, to I mean, she she makes up she's three and she comes up with some crazy, amazing uh, uh, in what's creative, um, imaginative stories. Uh, but if she were to continue to push them as truths, I would have to say this is a lie and she would get a spanking. So this is so again, as they're talking about original manuscript, this is not an original manuscript. This is the first translation. Common sense because it simply reflects the descriptions we're already familiar with about the translation. But the manuscript is the evidence that supports those descriptions, and it's evidence that has to be taken into account by those who believe the Book of Mormon is a fraud. So specifically, the manuscript suggests the following. As multiple sources indicate, the translation was a dictation. Joseph was reading something out loud, and the scribe was writing down what he heard. For example, when Oliver Cowdery wrote down Helaman 115, he originally spelled coriantumer like this. Of course, this is understandable because no normal English speaker would spell it ending in M-R. But the name is crossed out and Joseph presumably gave him the correct spelling, suggesting that Joseph could see the words and how they were spelled. He wasn't just making things up off the top of his head. And using the same example, we see that unless Joseph spelled words out for him, Oliver was spelling names phonetically. He was spelling them the way he heard them. It's hard to explain how he misspelled this name if he had just been copying words from a secret manuscript. David Whitmer reported that after Oliver would write something, he'd repeat it back to Joseph to make sure it was correct before they would move on. Hello! Hello! The original manuscript also suggests that this is how it was done. Smudges and ink flow on the pages suggest that many errors in the manuscript were corrected right after they happened, which you would expect if you're repeating them back to Joseph right after they're written. But there are also errors that slip through the cracks because they sounded right to Joseph. For example, in 1 Nephi 13.29, the scribe writes, And because of these things which are taken away out of the gospel of the Lamb, and exceeding great many do stumble. He should have written, an exceeding great many do stumble. It's an easy mistake to make if you're only hearing words being repeated back to you. They didn't catch it until making a second copy of the manuscript. There okay, now we have a problem. Because again, they just went back to Whitmer. So what I, was, what I had referenced, Whitmer was the one that said it. So we're going back to Whitmer and he says the words did not disappear until they were written correctly. And so with Coriantumer, um, and Joseph Smith, apparently the word didn't disappear until it was crossed out and spelled correctly. But if, if, if God is putting these words on a rock inside of a hat and Joseph Smith hears it, why did it disappear when it was still incorrect? Was it what Joseph thought or was it what God was doing? Because obviously now you have an issue. Now you have a problem. If it's God doing it, that word should never have disappeared because Joseph Smith didn't hear it right. And if Joseph Smith heard it and the words were disappearing as he heard what he wanted to hear, now we know that Joseph was making it up. And it was Joseph's decision of whether or not the word was there or not. So there is a, a, a key issue going into this.
There are also multiple sources reporting that Joseph could not continue with the translation until every word was spelled correctly, suggesting that the finished manuscript was written perfectly. As we've seen, this is obviously not true. The manuscript had plenty of little errors. I think that's just a detail that became exaggerated by various people over time. Now, there are still lots of questions about how Joseph was receiving the words he dictated that we don't have answers for, and I'm pretty sure Joseph didn't even have the answers. Hence, the gift and power of God was probably the only description he felt he could give. But the evidence from the original manuscript does pose challenging questions for those who may believe Joseph was a fraud. For example, some people believe Oliver Cowdery was in cahoots with Joseph, and instead of simply writing what Joseph was saying, the two were actually just secretly putting their heads together and composing a fraudulent work of fiction. But based on the manuscript evidence, that only works if they somehow wrote a fraudulent manuscript, and then Joseph dictated what they'd just written back to Oliver, who was spelling names wrong that he himself had helped create, all within about 57 days' time. Since the evidence suggests Oliver is totally innocent, some believe Joseph, probably starting as a teenager, created the 514-page book by himself and was reading to Oliver from his secret manuscript. This leads to a fire hose of difficult questions. How did he Remember what I told you about the funny little clips. He ride it. How did he turn hundreds of pages without Oliver noticing? How could he read the pages with his face in a hat? How did nobody in Joseph's family notice him studiously scribbling away for years in their small Palmyra home? Was his entire family in on it and just took the secret to the grave even though many members of the family seemed quite religiously content in the Presbyterian church that just joined as all of this started happening? You left out one possibility. And you left out what is actually what I believe. Well, okay, take that back. Two possibilities. You left out two. One, Joseph Smith made these stories up as a kid and over and over and over and over and memorized them. Obviously, he memorized Isaiah. Much of it. So we know that this could just be memorization. He didn't have to read it. They didn't have to. You know, again, they're coming back to the, well, Joseph Smith wasn't a very smart guy. Joseph Smith had two teachers as parents and was not a dumb guy by any means. The, the local yokel idea of Joseph Smith is, is just BS. Joseph memorized story, or he was just making them up as he went along. This is what Joseph did. We have, we have, his mom talked about it in her book about him, that he met, was, was always telling stories as a child. You know, this is what Joseph did. So you're leaving these out. It's not just that he had to have been reading off of, and they could have been in cahoots. They could have been working together to make this happen. We, again, there are so many possibilities, but... What we do know is this is not the original manuscript. If, if this were true, and now again, we got to come back to, well, you know, God wants us to have faith and da, da, da. And we have to pray about it. And we have to have a burning in the bosom and blah, 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 blah. The original manuscript is gone. There is no original manuscript. There's no way to prove that there ever was gold plates. We have witnesses that saw them with the eye of faith. We have stories that they were covered with a towel or not even present in the room. 
and and at this point let me let me let him say his last stupid little line and then we'll we'll talk or more. could they all have just been telling the truth about the coming forth of the book of mormon it's possible check out the links in the description for more info on this and all right he's out we're done so here's the here's the thing growing up as a mormon all this stuff that he's talking about this is all stuff that is new when i was growing up as a mormon kid and teenager and into my i was 19 when i left the lds church completely i was not a solid member for my entire life there were times that i backslid or fell away or whatever you want to call it but man whenever anybody came up against the church if there was an attack i remember when i was 12 in manti um we had come out from colorado to to utah for a youth conference at byu and we got to go to manti to watch the the manti pageant which doesn't happen anymore and all the evangelists were out there and when i heard these guys talking my suddenly my testimony came out of my back pocket and i was i was ready to just throw down with whatever right and so with this uh what was being said and 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 so on i was confident in the fact again being taught as a mormon child that joseph the 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 book of mormon was perfect that the translation was perfect now he's going to say well this was exaggerated over time this is what was taught here's the problem with exaggerations is you supposedly have a, a successive line of prophets that taught these things if this was not true why would god not tell them again you have a whole i, I loved aaron shafawalov in his latest debate with kwaku continued to say i would hate to be part of a rigid a religion that had to consistently throw its prophets and apostles under the bus but this is what has, has had to happen over the last few years but this is what i was taught when I was a kid, this is what, you know, supposedly Joseph sat with the breastplate and the Urim and Thummim and read the book, read the golden plates. This is what, you know, this is what we believed when I was younger. Now with the advent of the internet and all the things that came about and people suddenly finding out that Joseph was putting his face in a, a hat, you know, again, this was another image that we got. Again, still, here the, the golden plates are in the picture and there's a sheet separating the two. So uh, during these times, you have the, 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 the witnesses that gave their thing, but uh, 57 days of translation and, and Oliver Cowdery never saw the plates. They were either separated by a sheet or they were covered up. Does that, why does that, does that not sound suspicious? And then ultimately, now this is what they have to give you. Here still, those plates are covered up by a, t a towel. They're on the, on the table and they're covered up because Emma couldn't see them. She, oh, she wasn't allowed to see them. They had to be covered up. Why, why, when he was translating with his own wife, did they have to cover the plates? And how are you translating? You're not translating the plates. This is, this is not what translation is. You are, you've got plates and you're re receiving revelation on a rock in a hat. This is a cult. <laughs> this is, this is bad. I mean, this, this wouldn't even, this wouldn't even make it in a Harry Potter novel.
Maybe it would. But this is this is what you have. This is the the progression of the deception of the Mormon religion in regard to the Book of Mormon. And it's because they could no longer say it was the most correct book of any book, which Joseph claimed, because it had been proven to be changed. Thank you, Gerald and Sandra Tanner. Well over 3,000 times. They could not prove that anybody had seen it. You've got no original manuscript because apparently God needed some more pavement for the streets of Golden Heaven and he had to take them back. This is the ridiculousness that is what the Mormon church is trying to feed you and it's all wrapped up in a feeling when you pray about it. There's a serious problem there. There's a serious, serious problem there. And if you can't see it, then you're brainwashed. And you've got to stop and you've got to step back and you've got to say, I've got to push my emotions out of the way and see what is really here. Don't base your belief in a book on a feeling. But look at the evidence and there's none for the Book of Mormon. There's none. So my Mormon friends, if you're watching this, I urge you, encourage you, run, get out. Get out, find a Bible-believing church and get, get teaching there where you can look. I mean, the Bible has thousands of manuscripts thousands upon thousands of ancient manuscripts that can be corroborated and collaborated and all the things compared and pick a word that starts with C <laughs> and we can see and we can look at that and we can go so far back and we can go we can we can in confidence say that this book is 99% to the autographs of what the original authors wrote. The Book of Mormon has one original translation and one original handwritten portions of one original handwritten translation and one original manuscript that was taken to heaven. Do you see the problem there? My Christian friends, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.